Welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. All right, so today's Mission Sunday. We've been talking about this for a little while. Last year, we did a, a deal where we, uh, we made missions commitments, and we're able to support 10 missionaries right now up on that wall. All right, this year we're doing the same thing. We have a couple of missions things we're going to do today. So many of you, hopefully all of you, got one of these cards on your way, and it says Global local and next. And uh, we would love for you to think and pray about today, making a commitment to missions. We talked a little bit about giving last week, why we do it, why offerings are different than tithes, all that good stuff. Uh, but we have a special speaker here with us today that is a missionary, um, because I could talk about missions, but someone who is a missionary headed to the field can talk about it in a way more effective way than I can. So and when he is done speaking, we're going to take an offering for an organization called Light for the Lost. If you don't know what Light for the Lost is, they provide media for uh, people to know the Lord all around the world. It used to be radio stations, TV stations. Nowadays, it's websites, apps. If you've ever had a fire Bible, that's where the fire Bible came from, all that good stuff. Uh, we take one offering for them every year. We've made a, uh, a commitment to them as a church. I won't, don't even need to tell you what it is. I trust God to speak to your heart as far as light for the lost. So at the end of today, here's what's going to happen. You are going to just think and pray about what to maybe put on this card as Justin speaks here in a moment, we're going to take a missions offering uh, for Light for the Lost at the end of service. And as you fill this thing out, just know if you regularly support a missionary, if you've been supporting a specific one for years and years, continue to do that. If you have a new one this morning, a missionary organization has spoken to you. Some of you have already talked to me about that, and you want to support that one specifically, that's fine. But you don't have to do that. What you can do is give to missions each month, and we will make sure it goes where it needs to go as a church, and we'll update you on the missionaries that we are supporting. So proud of the fact we're supporting 10 different missions organizations, the global ones all around the world, local ones like the Boise Rescue Mission, and ones that are for our next generation, teenagers and kids. Uh, it's going to be an awesome day. Uh, I've met this guy, Justin Fosnott, right? Got it? Uh, it's an interesting last name. I had to ask him how to pronounce it so I didn't butcher it too badly. So I did the safe version. It's German, so I just stuck with the normal American version. But will you give Justin a big hand this morning as he comes to speak? Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, hey, you guys are a biblical church. You took Be Fruitful and Multiply seriously. Well done. You guys are doing it. And uh, I believe that one of the ways we can dishonor is if we take something that is common and we treat it as if it's uncommon. And what I think we need to recognize is that the presence of God is here, that his joy has filled this place. I love coming to life-giving churches. Who isn't that amazing? It's incredible. What a worship set. I love it. It's been amazing. And I, I, I think that since we know and understand and honor that God's presence is here, we should have an anticipation for what he wants to do today. I believe that anticipation is better than discipline, right? I grew up going to church out of discipline. It's just something that we did, and that can quickly become a duty, but I think it should become a delight that we should anticipate that God is going to speak to us. We're going to open up the word of God today, believing that we're going to receive a word from God, and I believe, like I heard a pastor say this one time, it, it's an amazing statement. It's that the word of God is like a can of paint. The power is in the application, okay? 
right? So I remember when we first moved to Haiti, previously my wife and I, we, we, we lived in Haiti for three years, and we had learned Creole, we're learning the language, and we go, we establish, we have a 350-square-foot apartment, and we decide we're going to paint it, and we're going to make it feel like home. It's not home. It's a concrete building, 350 square feet. We have power sometimes, and we have hot water when it works, okay? But we're going to make it our home. So we go to the paint store, we go to the hardware store, and we know the colors. We've learned enough language that we know the colors. So we buy the paint, and we go home, and we start applying the paint. Something feels a little off, but we keep going anyway. We recognize quickly after a couple hours in, we were higher than a kite. Because we bought oil-based paint because we didn't speak the language. We're in this little room, and we were, I mean, whoo, we were gone. Like, what's your point of this story? Come on, man, where are you going with this? That I believe if we want to go to higher heights spiritually, we need to open up the Bible scripturally. We need to become more scripturally, okay? We need to understand what the Bible says, and that's going to help us take next steps into what God is calling us to do. And so, not that we're going to get high, but we're going to learn, and we're going to grow, and I believe that our family, our family now of four, because we also took Be Fruitful and Multiply seriously. We had four kids in six years. Let me introduce you to my family. We are Team Fosnock because if I play, we got a basketball team, y'all. We really do. I met my wife in the most romantic way. In fact, I cannot believe that Hallmark hasn't reached out to us for our story yet because they're due for a new storyline. Come on, somebody. Like, they need a new one. Some of you are like, we're watching the same thing every single time. So we're going to put a picture of my family on the screen. I met Brooke in the book study of Revelation in Bible class. Come on, somebody, in Bible school. We met studying Revelation. So here was my pickup line. You ready? Hey, girl, the world's going to end. We might as well be together when it does. Come on, isn't that good? No, it was like, that was not it. I did not do that. And if she was here, she'd be rolling her eyes right now. It was more like, this class is really hard and you're really cute. We need to study together. And so we have four amazing boys. We have Zion, Judah, Titus, and Elias. Zion is over here in the right and the brown. He is the oldest. He's eight. He's very cerebral. He's gifted with words. He's got a lot of words, y'all. He's got a lot of words. And then Judah is my wife's mini-me. They have the same smile. He's in red. And they're cute and they're cuddly, but they will cut you. Okay? They're intense. They have this competitive streak. In fact, one of the ways that I also got introduced to Brooke was I was the male intramural sports director. That's how I paid for my college um, in Evangel University. And Brooke laid another girl out in the championship game of the Powder Puff Championship, and I had to call the ambulance because she collided with the other girl, and the other girl lost. Okay? So she's very intense, and Judah's very intense as well. Titus is four, and he's the runner, which is why I'm holding him. And Elias just had a birthday. He just turned two. We celebrated yesterday, and he's getting some words. He's such a blessing. He is so cute. I can't even tell you. He has a lot more hair now and some curls. And he loves smoothies. And he can't say smoothies, so he'll come out in the morning at the, at, at the kitchen. He'll point to the cabinet and go, because that's the sound that the smoothie maker makes when you make a smoothie. So that's pretty legit. And so we are going to be doing pioneer evangelism and church planning in the Solomon Islands.
So we say Melanesia. Melanesia is three countries. I'll show it to you on the map. It's just north of Australia. It's Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, and Vanuatu. And that will get on the screen here in a minute. But it is three island nations where we will be targeting never-reached people groups. These are people who have never had an adequate presentation of the gospel. They've never heard the name of Jesus. They don't know anyone who has heard the name of Jesus. And so we are going because a boundary exists. What do you mean by that? Nations are made up of physical boundaries, but there are also places in this world where there is a spiritual boundary. Let me say it this way. It's where the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God stops and the kingdom of darkness begins. And we believe that there is a biblical model for how you push the boundary. In fact, let me read it to you. Matthew 28, 19 to 20. You may know this as the Great Commission. It says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Well, there's some nations that there still need to be disciples made out of. And so we are going to go. We believe that as we go and we preach the gospel, we tell people about Jesus we make connections relationally by digging wells or providing health care, by providing dentistry, by going and meeting a tangible need that creates a relationship where we can tell people about Jesus and we believe in faith and prophetically declare that some will come to know him. Amen. And then it tells you what to do next. You then baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So here's what happens, and I've seen this. My wife and I, we've had the ability to serve in the nation of Haiti for three years. We then worked at an international church in London, England that was post-Christian. And we see this, that as you tell people about Jesus and they come to know him, then you baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now you have a gathering of people. You have a group of believers, an ecclesia, a body of Christ like we're doing today, and we gather. And then as you do that, what happens to the boundary? It moves. It moves. It's just like when you submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. There are areas in your life that as you allow the Lord to work in, they become transformed. That when you give God your finances, when you give God your marriage, when you give God your family, when you give God your work, that boundary pushes and the kingdom of light invades and it transforms the culture of your heart. And we believe that it will transform the culture of of the nations, and we will teach them to obey everything that's been commanded. And what that means is it's making disciples that disciples is not just people coming to know Christ and then they figure it out, but that you actually do life with them. So I'm going to talk about tangibly today what that looks like in the islands, but then also what that looks like for you. And what that means is primarily today, the idea that I want to get you to is it's going to force me, it's going to force you to get out of your comfort zone, to embrace hard things because people are worth it. In fact, we become a little bit too comfortable in our culture with being okay that the people around us are going to hell and we're not doing anything about it. So we're going to ask you to step out in faith today, not just with what you're giving and what you're pledging, but how you're going to live your life to ensure that the kingdom is built both here in Boise and around the world. Amen. And so there's going to be a QR code on the screen. That's going to be how you can follow our journey. You can take a picture of that. They may do that at the end of service as well. That will sign you up for our newsletter. That will help you to know and understand how you can pray for us because we believe in the power of prayer. So when I was called to missions in 2008, I started 
a tangible thing, something that we can do to be more scriptural in our life. I started reading through the Bible in a year. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I've done that every year for the last 15 years. I'll read through the entire Bible. It seems like a lot, but it only turns out to be about 15 minutes of reading a day. And as I'm reading through the Bible, I'm newly called to missions. God has given me a new destination and direction for my life. I come to Ezekiel chapter 47, which is going to be our primary text today. Ezekiel 47, I don't ever remember growing up hearing a sermon about Ezekiel. I don't remember. I grew up like I'm a church kid, y'all. Like I was baby Jesus in the 1985 Christmas cantata, like as a baby, okay? Like in the manger, my mom and dad were Mary and Joseph, and they never let me live it down because baby Jesus also bought a gift to the manger scene that evening. Come on, somebody, if you know what I'm saying. A little deposit was made in the manger that evening, okay? My mom's like, I tried to sing that solo, and you're killing me, okay? I don't remember Ezekiel on the flannel graph in Sunday school. If you know, you know, okay? If you know, you know. You remember the flannel graphs back in the day. And as I'm reading Ezekiel 47, as a visual person like myself, it gives, Ezekiel sees in a vision what the work of the Holy Spirit's going to be like, what the Great Commission is going to look like, and he's going to use the visual and see the visual of the river. So let me read it to you today. We're going to pull it apart. I'm going to give you some thoughts to chew on, and then we're going to close in prayer this morning. Ezekiel 47 says this, Then he... So Ezekiel is getting a vision. God is showing him. Brought me to the back door of the temple, which we're in the Old Testament. So so just for some context here, the temple is where they would go to worship. It was the only place in the Holy of Holies where God's presence was tangibly experienced. Go to the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the front of the temple faced the east, and the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. He bought me out of the way of the north gate. So they were in the temple. Now they're going out of the temple and they're seeing this water flow out of it. He leads me out from the north gate and he led me around to the outside of the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out of the right side. So what we're seeing here is now the presence of God is going to leave the temple and it's going to go out. One of the declarations, the I am statements that Jesus makes is I am living water. That if you come to me, you will never thirst again. That when Jesus died, he is the veil. He is the mediator. He is the separator from us and God. When Jesus dies, the veil of the temple is torn in two. You remember that? So not only do we now have access to the Father, but now the spirit of the living God is going to leave the temple and it's going to go out. And here's the really humbling part about that. The way that the river flows out is it flows out through his people through you and me, that the river goes out in us. So maybe what needs to happen today is that you need to understand that you are a temple of the living God, that the Spirit of God is in you, and if the only thing you get out of this service is you get stirred up a little bit, that's a good thing because God has a work that he wants to do in you and through you. So we now have access to God, but God's Spirit goes out through us. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. And when the man went out of the east with a line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the waters comes up to the ankles. So eventually, if you want to push a boundary, a boundary in your own life, or a boundary in the kingdom of God, you have to step into what God is leading you into. That's why the title of my message today is, Take a Step, 
push the boundary. Take a step and push the boundary. Now notice he's being led. This is not something that he had his own idea and he's asking God to bless. In fact, I've been back in the United States. I was overseas for several years. I came back. One of the things that I've noticed, now I'm not, I'm not the guy that's here to pick on the North American church, but there is a tendency in the North American church to be what I call the lazy river Christian. Right? You ever been on a lazy river before? A lazy river is like something you do on vacation. I did this in Cancun once where there's a lazy river. You float down the river, and it's beautiful, and there's all kinds of fish, and you got your mango smoothie in your hand, and you're just like, whew, the whole river ends at the buffet. Like, this is awesome. And sometimes we have a little bit of a lazy river Christian mentality where it's like, I'm going to live this life to the best of my ability. I'm going to pray that God blesses me, and I'm going to go to heaven when I die. That's not the life that we're called to lead. So we step into what God has for us, and we get ankle deep. Verse 4 says, again, I measured 1,000. He brought me out through the waves of the water. It comes up to my knees. Again, he measured another 1,000, and it goes up to his waist. Verse 5, it gets even deeper. It says, again, I measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep in which, we, in, in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. So here's what this looks like. Eventually, as you're following Jesus... Right? The power is in the application. We read the word. We're following the ways of Jesus. We're practicing the ways of Jesus. As we're led by him, we step into a place knowing that God is leading us to a point in our lives where ultimately we are to live totally dependent on him. Now, we don't like that because we like to be able to be in control of our lives. We like to manipulate the situation of what's going on. We don't want to let go. But can I tell you, Ultimate freedom is where you live your life totally dependent on God. You want to see the supernatural happen. You want to see miracles happen. Then you have to place yourself in a position where a miracle is necessary in the first place. Like we're going to a place where we're going to be ministering to people who have never heard of the name of Jesus. This is not like we show up, go door to door and see hundreds of converts in the first week. No, this is a decade worth of relational investment, believing that God is going to bring opportunities to share the gospel with them. We need to be okay with the fact that the Holy Spirit is leading to a place where we're in over our head, where we need to be fully dependent on him. In fact, to be Pentecostal, oftentimes we think the power of God but it's because we're totally dependent on him where if the power of God moves through us, he's the only one who's going to receive the glory. And the byproduct of that is verse 6, that when we're living this life totally dependent on God, we believe in faith that verse 6 is going to happen for us just like it did to Ezekiel. So he's showing him, he's leading him in the river, and then it comes to a point where he pulls him out of the river and he gets to see. There are seasons in our lives where we are to step back and reflect and see what God has done, and rejoice in what he has done, and believe that he's going to do greater things. Here's what this looks like in verse 6. He said to me, son of man, you have seen this. Then he brought me out, and he returned me to the bank of the river. Verse 12, he sees what is the byproduct of the children of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, living their life dependent on him. Verse 12 is what will happen. Along the bank of the river, and that will grow the kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit in every month because there flows water from the sanctuary. 
Their fruit will be used for food and their leaves will be used for medicine. So we say this, that the kingdom of God is like a river. It's an eternal current that flows throughout history and it brings redemption and restoration to all things. So we go to a place where the river does not go and the river does not flow and we take it with us. So we believe that we are embracing hard things. Like we're going to a third world country. We won't have internet. We may or may not have power. We'll have water when we can catch it. And you're like, that sounds extreme. And it is, but it's because we're positioning ourselves in a place where the river has not gone yet. And there are people around you. And I pray that God will give you the spiritual eyes to see them where the spirit of God is not in them. The river has not flown in them or to them yet. And so what this looks like is we need to be the kind of people that live a fully dependent life because the byproduct of that is that you will produce fruit for people who are outside of the river to partake of, which will then by a byproduct have them step into the river. Have you ever been around somebody who they're so life-giving? You spend like four, 40 minutes or so with them and then you look at the clock and it's like four or five hours later. Right? I remember grandmama's house growing up. Everybody have a grandmama like mine? Here's what grandmama's house was. You went to grandmama's house and the candy dish never got empty. It just magically refilled itself. There was all you can eat jello. She was always singing about heaven, right? We got whatever we wanted. We left sugared up. We got to watch so much cartoons. We loved going to grandmama's house because when you were around her, it was life-giving. It's like when you come to church, you're around people. You don't even know these people, but you have more in common with them than you do your unsaved family members. It's like they're life-giving. They love you. They smile at you. I'm from the Northeast. We don't smile at each other. When I left the Northeast and I started looking people in the face, it was super uncomfortable for me. Like if I go to my hometown and I look you in the face, it's not going to be, hey, how are you? It's going to be, what's your problem? Like why are you eyeing me up? I figured out when I went to college in Missouri, you can be relational and it's okay. People were like driving down the street, giving me the finger, and it wasn't the middle one. This is incredible. But we are to be the kind of people that people who are outside of the kingdom of God can feel comfortable enough to just hang out in our shade and receive healing because the spirit of God has restored us, that we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb because the living water is in us. And we've been restored by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not perfect, but we're embracing what he's asked us to do and we're stepping into it. So everywhere we've gone, Haiti, London, we've pastored. I know I'm going to say this and some people aren't going to like this, but I actually live 15 minutes away from the Kansas City Chiefs Stadium. Okay, some of you don't like me now. You don't like me. But you just don't like me because you ain't me. We're, we're, I mean, defending world champs, okay? I pastored in Kansas City the last six years. You're like, oh, get this guy out of here. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm your brother in Christ. You have to, you have to deal with me, right? <laughs> but everywhere we've gone, we've had this philosophy of ministry. And I want to keep it simple for you. Who are you? Where are you at spiritually? And what is the next step? That is, you're ministering to others. Somebody who has no context about what Jesus is, we experienced this in the mountains where entire villages knew nothing but voodoo, to the post-Christian society in London, to the Bible Belt. Who are you? 
Where are you at spiritually and what's the next step? In fact, I'm not, I'm not stepping on your toes. I'm not trying to beat you up. I just, I just totally believe that you should have an idea of everyone in your home, where they're at spiritually, and you should be helping each other take that next step. Hey, what is God speaking to you about? Hey, what are you learning about in the word right now? Hey, what is God asking you to do? What are you stepping into? Knowing that at work, not everybody's next step is coming to know Christ. Not everybody's next step is even coming to church. Maybe for a season, they need to know that you do love Jesus and that it's okay that they partake of your spiritual fruit and hang out in your shade for a while. Believing that in faith they're going to step into it. Which means, ultimately, we're embracing what God has us to do. Which means we need to connect with people. We need to connect with people. We had a lady come to Haiti on a short-term missions trip. And she had seven kids. And you know what she came to do? She came to tell people about Jesus and get away from them kids. Come on, somebody. Like, that's seven's a lot. Seven's a lot. So she goes out the first afternoon, the whole day. And they're doing door-to-door witnessing. She's telling people about Jesus. She studied up on Romans Road. She's telling everybody about what Jesus did for them. And she's giving in her best go. She comes back and she says, send me home. And I wanted to be like, all right, you're being a little bit dramatic. Calm down. I didn't. I said, okay, what happened? What happened? She said, I shared about Jesus all day and nobody came to know Christ. Nobody gave their life to Christ. Nobody said the sinner's prayer. She was done. I was like, okay, tomorrow go back out. Just give it another day. I'm not going to take you to the airport because it's dark and it's dangerous and we're not doing that. But go ahead and just, I said, look for a way to connect. Look for a way to connect. So the next day she goes out in the village and you know what she did? She saw a woman doing laundry in the river and she's got a pile. And it turns out that woman also had seven children. And you know what that lady did all day for like eight hours? She did laundry in the river with a woman from Haiti. You know what? She left seven kids and she came and got seven more and did the same thing she did every day, what she felt like in her whole life. And you know what happened? At the end of the day, that lady was like, why in the world would you give your entire day to do laundry? And when you have seven kids, because they're telling each other their story, they're figuring out who they are, where they're at spiritually, and what that next step is. You know what the Holy Spirit did? He put it on a T for her. Because that lady asked, how do you have the strength to continue with seven kids when you do nothing but cook and do laundry all day? And she got to share about her faith. And you know what that lady did? She gave her heart to Jesus. She gave her heart to Jesus because connection. And can I tell you, we connect better in our weakness than in our strength. If we try to connect in our strength, if I'm having lunch with Al and we're going out and I'm sharing all about what God has done in my ministry and what God has done through his life, we're going back and forth and we're up, we're just one up in each other. And it's like, my fish was this big. Well, yeah, my fish was this big. Oh, you man, last year I killed an elk and it was big. And well, here's a picture of my elk. Look at the elk I got, right? It's just a one up in each other. But when we connect in our weakness, because we're living fully dependent on him. God does amazing, amazing things. So here's a simple phrase that's going to help you connect. And I already see it in the heartbeat of this church, the way that you love on families, the ministries that you're supporting, the things that you're doing. It's so simple. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. It's that simple. When you go to work tomorrow, when you go to the places where you spend your time, If you have a mindset, God, I'm fully dependent on you today. 
Because what we do is we pray for divine appointments, but then we're so busy and we're so self-focused, the divine appointments come, we don't even see them. God, give me eyes to find a need and fill it, find a hurt and heal it, and then embrace the interruption when it comes, connect in our weakness, and now we have ministry opportunities to take the river to places where it does not already flow and it does not already go. And you're like, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't communicate. I'm not like a guy on the stage. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a public speaker. It's not about that. In fact, if you're fully dependent, you're free. Yes. Remember that. Like when I go to the villages and I go, and even if there's a little bit of sense of danger or an element or whatever, I'm free. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians. I was talking about this this morning. It's an amazing thing at breakfast. I, I love this conversation. So the church in Corinth is a lot like America. It's, it's a lot of just like consumerism. They're wealthy. They're trying to grow in their faith. But here's what it says. Who then is Paul? Because they're trying to make the pastor, the church leaders, hey, you guys are the ones that are supposed to be doing everything. You guys are the ones with position. You guys are the ones with the Bible degrees. You guys know more about the Bible than me. And Paul's like, who is Paul and who is Apollos? Like, we're just dancing in the river. Like, we've just stepped into what God has called us to, and he's brought you to us. Your main ministry are to those around you. Like, who's sleeping in the bunk bed down the hall? My main ministry are those four little friends that God has blessed me with that we had. Did I mention we had four kids in six years? Yes, we did. And they're our primary ministry. It says in verse 6, I planted Apollos watered. If you want to get, mm, I got this like, get your hair wet. Like, get all in. Like, just be fully dependent on the Holy Spirit and be a professional seed spreader. Like, just tell people about Jesus. Just tell people, well, they're going to look at you like you're weird. I mean, missionaries, we're all a little bit weird, right? You, you look at John the Baptist. Like, the dude wore camel hair and ate bugs in the desert. Like, that dude's a little different, okay? And when you come and you're filled with joy and you have peace despite circumstance and your life isn't circumstantial and you're just living your life fully free in Jesus, that's going to seem a little bit different. But people are going to partake of that fruit. They're going to hang out in that shade. And you're going to be able to sow seed and believe that others are going to come behind and water it. But who gives the increase? God gives the increase. See, we believe when we go to the islands, we're not taking God where he's not already been. We're just joining God where he already is. And it's so humbling that he chooses to use people to do the ministry through. And he's choosing to use you. It says, so neither then who plants is anything or he who waters, but it's God who gives the increase. Can I tell you, let me just say this real quick. I, I, I hope this helps. It's not about you. It's not about you. Like if you tell somebody about Jesus and they reject Jesus, fun fact, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting him. He's used to that. But the win for you is, hey, the Holy Spirit said to share about my faith and I did it. Because what verse 8 says this. Oh, I love this. That he who plants or he who waters are one. We're on the same team. We're on the same family. If I sow seed and then I, if, I go to the, if I go to lunch and I sow seed with the waiter and you go to lunch next Sunday and you water, we're all on the same team. We're working together. It says, but God is the one who brings the increase. And then it says in verse 8, and each one will receive his reward according to his what? His labor. His labor. You are rewarded for your labor. Now, in North America, you're rewarded for your success. 
right? You're rewarded financially at your job. If you're successful, you get a promotion, you get a pay raise. In the kingdom of God, you are rewarded for your labor. So let me tell you what, that's another reason why you should be free. Because it's not about you. I'm believing that God's already working in the people around your life. Then you're going to sow seed. Then you're going to water. And God's going to be the one that does the increase. God's the one that's working. That's why we say, when we, before we go to Melanesia, we need you to intercede. Because if God doesn't intervene, we might as well not go. Like, we need you to pray for us. We need you to believe for us. Because we're going to join the work that God wants to do, and he's the one that brings the increase. And then you're rewarded. Do you know how you're rewarded in heaven? What are you given in heaven as a reward? Do you know? A crown. You're given a crown. Did you know that you're going to be given a crown? I lived in London, and I, I went to look at all the crowns, all those big jewels. Those things look heavy. I don't know. There's just a lot of jewels. That's a lot of money. I'm just like, I don't know. But in heaven, you're going to be given a crown. Do you know what the Bible says you're going to do with it? You're going to cast it at the feet of Jesus. What is your reward? Your reward is Jesus. Jesus is going to work in you and through you. I believe he's going to partner with us. He's going to partner with you, that he's going before you. And it's an amazing adventure. So let me tell you what you're signing up for if you jump in the river. You're not a lazy river Christian anymore. You're a white water rafting Christian, which means I believe that as you are all in, you're going to be able to see that the crazy times are coming. Like the Holy Spirit's going to ask you to do something and it's going to be so far out of your comfort zone but the whole point is dependency because that dependency is going to create intimacy with him, right? It's going to grow your relationship with him. It's going to grow you spiritually. Can I tell you what? To believe, I mean, I'm so far in over my head thinking that a never-reached tribe is just going to come to know Christ because of just what my family's doing. That we need him to move. We need him to act. And so God's grace helps us to deal with reality of where we're at. And we believe that as we step into what he has for us, that he is going to supernaturally bless us and he is going to supernaturally bless you. So let me ask you a question today. Who are you? Because I don't know you. We've just met. Where are you at spiritually? What is your next step? And if your answer is, well, I don't know what's next then let me tell you what your next step is. You need to intentionally get alone with God and ask him and ask him. Before you fill out this card, and if you've never filled out this card before, your next step is to process, God, how do you want me to build the kingdom in my giving this year? And if you're filling out this card and you didn't ask God first, what's next? Then my friend, you need to repent and you need to ask God, hey, what am I putting on this card? And let me ask you, again, I'm not a fundraiser, but let me tell you how this works. If you put something on there that you can do it in your own strength, God does not get the glory in your relationship with him will not grow. That's why I love your pastor says he's they're taking an offering. He's made a commitment for life for the lost, and he believes God's going to move, which tells me that he's made a faith promise where he needs God to move. And if God doesn't move, it looks like personally Pastor John's probably making up the difference. That's how that works. I've been a pastor. That's how that works. If you don't give, it's him, okay? It's him. There's freedom in living a fully dependent life. There's freedom in living your life in such a way where if God doesn't move, then the work doesn't get done. And some of you, I, I've seen this. I get this look every week. You're looking at me like I'm crazy, and there's a little bit in there. I'm going to be honest. But I can tell you, 
I lived the, the lazy river Christian life. I lived it. And it's nothing compared to the adventure that I get to live today. So I'm going to conclude with this thought. Legacy is not just what you do. It's what others do because of you. That when you help somebody take a next step spiritually, you don't know the legacy that that person's going to have. When I was a kid in kids' church and I gave my life to Christ, those kids' leaders did not know that I would grow up one day and be a missionary that was going to take a gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to a people group that have never heard. They didn't know. But they were just being faithful to the task that God had asked them to do. They were doing what God had asked them to do next. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes as pastor plays. Revelation 7 says this. It's a picture of heaven and what that's going to look like one day. It says, after this I looked and there was before me a great multitude that no one could count. They're from every nation, they're from every tribe, they're from every people, and they're from every language. They're standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hand. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So my first thing today is, if there's somebody within the sound of my voice where you don't know where you are with God and you're not sure that your life is going to end in an eternity with heaven, your next step today, my friend, is to submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus because what the world is selling you is a lie. Hell is not a place God sends people he hates. Hell is a place you can pay for your sin if you want to. Oh, I thought God is loving. Why doesn't everyone to go to heaven? If God knows that you don't want a relationship with him on earth. Why would a loving God who gave his son to die in your place assume that you would want to live with eternity with him? You know what heaven is? Heaven is enjoying a good God who gives you good gifts forever. That's what heaven is. I can't wait for this scene. I had a person ask me in my church one time, hey, are we gonna sing a lot in heaven? You're gonna sing a lot. And like me, some of y'all can't sing a lick, and that's okay. But what that means is the joy of the Lord is going to be our strength, and we're not going to be able to help but sing because we're understanding his fullness and his goodness. For some of you, your next step is you don't know where your spouse is spiritually, and my friend, that needs to change that you are the primary discipler of your spouse and your children and that you should be helping them take the next step because as you grow and your spouse grows and your family grows, the, the fruit on your tree increases and now your house is a place of hospitality and goodness and invitation to the kingdom and there's no greater life than that. My grandmama always had so much joy because that was her home that the shade that you provide for those that you love and lead, it will be intoxicating that when Jesus' disciples traveled around, they said, those guys are ignorant dudes. They don't know anything, but I can tell they've been with Jesus and there's something different about them. And I just want to be around. And let me tell you this, and Pastor John, you can come back. When you fill this out, did you know that through the Assemblies of God, I went to a Light for the Lost meeting. That because of over 2,600 missionaries, 
that it's about every three minutes somebody comes to know Christ, about every 60 minutes a church is planted, and about every 90 minutes, because of what our fellowship is doing around the world, somebody is called to ministry. So know what you're doing when you do this. It's through Engage Boys, you are sowing seed into a kingdom that is going to allow the river to flow where it does not go. And for that, I honor you. You are doing the work of the kingdom. And I'm going to pray blessing over you, and I'm going to pass it back to Pastor John. God, thank you so much for the willing hearts of the people of Engage Boise, how you're working here in a supernatural way, how you're expanding their house. And God, I believe that as they take care of the kingdom, God, that you're gonna supernaturally bless this house. And God, we don't wanna be a church that's all about just having a lot of people and a lot of people who are attending, but we believe that what you're gonna do individually in the person, what you're gonna do individually in the families, the fruit that they're gonna have, the relationship with you, the way they're going to be able to feel your presence, be more sensitive to your spirit. Feel that supernatural love that you have for them. It's going to propel them into a life they never thought they could imagine. But I believe that as they commit themselves to being scriptural this year, that you will grow them spiritually and advance their territory. God, supernaturally bless Pastor John and his ministry here. Thank you for his heart for missions. Thank you for his heart for the family. God, thank you for children, that you're supernaturally blessing this house with children. God, children are a blessing from the Lord, and we honor you for them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Justin. And awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. <clears throat> so here's what we're going to do. We're going to get ready to uh, take a, an offering for life for the lost. Um, and that's separate from what you're writing on this card. Um, so you can see I have this one right here. I folded it up. I wrote our thing on it, so I'll just toss it in the bucket as it goes along. And um, You are just committing to give the match right on this, this year to missions at our church. And uh, we're going to show faith, and we're going to begin supporting Justin and his family as they get ready to go to the mission field. And uh, we believe that God's going to do great things. So grateful that he gave his time to come here today and speak to us, bring a message from the Lord. So uh, what's going to happen is... Uh, uh, Pastor Joey and the band are going to begin to lead us, and the ushers are going to begin to pass these buckets around. And what I would love for you to do is grab this card that you have, fill it out, drop it in the bucket as it goes around, um, just so we know what to plan for. Um, and then also, this is also for Light for the Lost. So uh, this is an offering that we're going to give to Light for the Lost, the Assemblies of God, and it goes to help people know the Lord and know Him better. Uh, so ushers, why don't you make your way forward? And uh, they're going to pass this around as, as Joey and the, and the band lead us this morning. I encourage you, uh, think over this, this card. If you're not ready to write an amount on there yet, that's fine. Bring it back next week. Hand it to us afterwards. However, whatever you see fit, I encourage you, go find Justin after church at his table. Um, we're going to take this offering and just allow the Lord to speak to you, work through you. Uh, after this song is over, don't go anywhere because we're going to dedicate baby Kai to the Lord. Um, Go ahead and lead us. Pastor Joe, drop this in here. You guys can go ahead and take that offering this morning. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.